welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we have been tackling fear, examining the roots of fear when it strikes in our lives. And this week, we have author speaker Kristen Weatherall back with us discussing her new book, Fight Your Fears, Trusting God's Character and Promises When You Are Afraid. Kristen Weatherall is a wife, mother, and writer. She is the author of Fight Your Fears, When You Are Afraid, and the co-author of the award-winning book, Hope When It Hurts, Biblical Reflections to Help You Grasp God's Purpose in Your Suffering. She has contributed to several compilation books and writes regularly for digital publications such as The Gospel Coalition, Revive Our Hearts, and Unlocking the Bible. Kristen also enjoys teaching God's Word to women of local churches. She and her husband, Brad, live in Chicagoland, are members of The Orchard, and are parents to Joanna. Welcome back, Kristen. Thanks. It's good to be back. Oh, I'm loving this discussion, and it was hard to have to leave it at the place we left it at last week. I absolutely love your book. It is so biblically grounded and such refreshing truth to set people free from fear. And, and I'm not just saying that. I think sometimes people can say, oh, you know, this will really help you. I really believe uh, this book can do that. This scripture for this episode is taken from Isaiah 35, verse 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Here in this chapter, Isaiah turns to a future hope. Christ is coming to save and restore us. And we live in the time where we can say Christ has come, Christ will come again. I think one thing, though, about the promises of God that troubles people is that we have problems in this fallen world. And we want to believe that God is always going to rescue us from them. I think He rescues us in them. And it is in the harsh, painful things that we feared that our souls can accuse God. But sometimes we are spared troubles, and sometimes Christ carries us through our troubles. What would you say to the person listening right now who is afraid to trust God because of fears that they have had to face? I would say that God would not be worthy to be trusted if He had promised to deliver us from all of our circumstances. But in fact, his promise is the opposite. His promise is that in this world, we will have trouble. And so trusting God is less about him delivering us from our circumstances and more about him being at work both in us and for his glory through our circumstances. Mm. So I would encourage the person who's struggling to trust. I mean, me too, friend, me too. I don't know the fears that you've had to face. I don't know that the losses that you've endured, every person's situation is different. And the fears that we deal with, you know, can vary from the slightest degree to the most, to the, to the biggest degree. Um, but we have to ask, is God trustworthy because of what he does for me? Or is God trustworthy because of who he is? And his promises are rooted in his purposes. And sometimes his purposes are not to deliver us from our circumstances. But we can trust God ultimately because he has given us our greatest need which is deliverance in his son. And so that's kind of the lens through which we look at all of these other things we're facing. 
So good and so true. I think a lot of times we forget that paramount truth because we get focused on all the troubles in this world and it just overcomes us. And so it's that singular truth of our God has already come. And as you've said in your book, he's revealed all he needs to reveal about himself. And it's all right there. We just need to seek him in that moment of fear. One of the fears you cover in your book is the fear of not being in control. To all you control freaks out there, this one's for you. I think we so often think we are in control and worry about our fears as a result. What about God's character can free someone from the fear behind controlling behavior? That God is in control. It yeah. feels obvious. It feels obvious, but you know, we shouldn't laugh because this is a thing that we wrestle with. Frankly, Denise, we want to be in control. Mm. We want to be God. We've been talking to our toddler about this. Every time she, you know, has a tantrum that revolves around her being in charge, getting to the root of that is, honey, you're trying to be your own God. <laughs> And you're not in charge. God has put mommy and daddy in charge. And above us, God is in charge. And I think we struggle with the same things that toddlers struggle with. And it's why we're so often afraid. The reason we're afraid is because we're trying to assume a role that God never intended us to assume. And so we burden ourselves with trying to control these circumstances, and it ends up crushing us. Only God can bear the weight of the world upon his shoulders. Um, So the fact that God is sovereign, the fact that he's in supreme authority and all-encompassing wise rule over all of creation, man, that helps me when I'm fearing what I can't control. I need to know that he's on the throne. And I need to know that um, freedom for me is found in actually submitting to his lordship, not trying to assume my own. That right there is so, so important. And we see that also in our culture as people do try to be their own gods. You know, they we want our own way so often. So thank you for sharing that. The sovereignty of God is such an incredible comfort. And I was reading about that in your book. God already knows our situations, our lives completely. And the promises of Romans 8 Verses 28 through 29 don't necessarily mean we won't face pain or fear, but God will still amazingly manage to use it for our good and His glory because our lives are about Him. Yes, and and believing that and submitting to that, the fact that God is good and is working in ways beyond, beyond what we can even imagine, um, that actually brings us a ton of blessing and a ton of joy. So God's glory is intricately tied to our good and for our joy. And that's that's such a wonderful gift. Mm. You know, uh, as a worship leader, some of my favorite worship songs to sing are about God's goodness. Just knowing that our God is completely holy and good brings me peace when fear tests my heart. But as I survey the congregation singing about God's goodness, I'm not so convinced that they believe He is good. Now, I don't know their hearts, and I'm not trying to sit on the judgment seat here, but if we really understood God's goodness, I think we'd be jumping up and down. And the world around us says, if God is good, why is there suffering? What would you say to this statement 
And how can people overcome fear with the goodness of God? Hmm. Well, once again, I think we need to start by humbling ourselves and realizing that God's holy wisdom is infinitely beyond what we're able to understand. And so the way that we define what is good and what is right isn't the way that God is necessarily defining it. And that's very humbling to be able to say, I believe that I think I know what's good in this situation, but God, what do you know is good in this situation? Um, I love this quote from Puritan John, I think you say Flavel, Flavel, I don't know how you say his last name, but he wrote the wonderful book, Triumphing Over Sinful Fear. And I, I just found this quote from him about Romans 8.28, um, and it's beautiful. So I'll just read it for us. It says, um, surely if God would not spare his own son one stroke, one tear, one groan, one sigh, one circumstance of misery, it can never be imagined that ever he should after this deny or withhold from his people for whose sakes all of this was suffered, any mercies, any comforts, any privilege, spiritual or temporal, which is good for them. So the question is not what do I think is good, but what does God know is good? for me and for the accomplishment of all of his purposes. Yes. And the definition of what is good just really has to be through a biblical lens because what is good to man (laughs) is likely not good. You know, another fear that people face when it comes uh, just to fear in general is provision. It's such a big fear that the enemy of our souls uses. My husband, you know, lost his job three times in the first five years of our marriage. And those seasons, honestly, were just such sweet memories to us. We can grow accustomed to God's provision and become entitled. But when we have to rely on Him, we are humbled and grateful again, aware of His every provision. And there's beautiful fruit in those seasons where we wait on our good God, our Jehovah Jireh for provision. And that's what those seasons were like for us. Not that they weren't challenging it at times. Oh, you know, Lord, please, we've got to see you come through. But it was just a time of victory. But you know, there are also fearful moments when, like for instance, in my life, another season when I was a single mom and I wondered how I was going to make ends meet. God always provided. You know, you can look back and see his faithfulness. But keeping my head above fear was a constant challenge. What would you say to the people right now who are afraid that they won't have enough? I would probably encourage them with the verse uh, that we just looked at, Romans 8.32, which is that if God has given us the greater thing in his son, will he not supply for the lesser things? And then I would encourage them to be reminded that God's wisdom is not ours. So the lesser things, what what we think those needs are or how God should provide for those needs may not necessarily be what God knows is best for us. Um, So my husband and I have also been in seasons where we were terrified of coming up short, you know, financially, how how are we going to be provided for? And yet God does end up providing for our every need, even if it looks different than what we expect. So I think there's a sense in which 
um, we submit our wisdom to God's wisdom in these times. And uh, we trust that as he is loosening our grip on earthly treasures and on the things that we think we need, he's actually increasing our um, ability to be open-handed to the things of eternity. And that's that's ultimately what we want, is we want to treasure his will. We want to treasure his kingdom and his ways. Um, and so it's it's great training ground for trust. Mm. You know, one thing I'm hearing that you're not saying uh, implicitly is what I'm sensing as you're speaking, and it is this humility and submission. And these are very counter uh, what how humans usually are. We usually are prideful, but there there is in what you're sharing this posture of I don't know best. God knows best. And I, I think, you know, I was just reading in the book of Isaiah this morning, the closing chapters, and God is speaking about what what qualities are to be in people for them to have favor. And it was this humility and this incredible uh, just submission to him. And we just don't live in a day and age where those qualities are at all um, put forth. And so it is very counter our flesh, but God can accomplish that in us. And so I would say also, as you are uh, hearing um, us talk about fear and how to get rid of it, in humility, understand that we can't, and we need God to deliver us and submit to his plan for that, uh, and, and he will do it. You know, another fear uh, is of being alone, and that's actually one of the biggest fears people can face. A study I found stated that loneliness affects younger Americans more than the elderly. Generation Z, or those between the ages of 18 and 22, were the loneliest generation, which is interesting because they've got all this social media supposedly connected, but their loneliness score was 48.3. That's almost 50%. Mm. Possible loneliness scores range from 20 to 80 with a national average of 44. So 44 out of 100 people uh, are lonely. What is behind this fear of loneliness and how can the character of God affect it? Hmm. Well, we saw, or we talked about last week how um, sin broke fellowship between the, cre- the creation and their creator. And so because of that, uh, something is missing. <laughs> the relationship that we were created to have that was meant to satisfy and fulfill us fully uh, has been broken. And so loneliness is a fruit of that. And we see that only Jesus Christ can reconcile us to God. That's why he came um, and and repair that relationship and satisfy us in the fullest way. So I think that's what's behind the fear of being lonely is that we weren't created for loneliness. We were created for relationship and yet we find ourselves in a, in a place of loneliness because this has been broken. Mm. Um, but I think it also propels us to the only one who can fix it, right? The only one who can restore us to God, and that is Christ. Um, the promise of God here is that He will never leave His people. And, you know, that can be hard, especially when you are um, physically alone. I remember a season of my life when I 
lived with two other roommates, but we were in New York City. So we had opposite schedules and I was alone, physically alone much of the time. And um, so when my chronic pain started and jobs weren't working out, it was a terribly difficult and lonely season. And yet the promised presence of God was so sweet to me in that time. And I treasured his promise and his presence more um, because those other things had been temporarily taken away from me. So I think uh, the reality of loneliness, the fear of loneliness propels us to the only one who can meet us in our loneliness. And that's, and that's Christ and the presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit. And what a beautiful thing to know more of Christ. That's, that's the whole point is to fear him and to love him. Yes. And you know, there's such a common truth here that, as you were saying, propelling us toward God, that fear really can do that in general. Um, You mentioned chronic pain. Uh, A lot of people are afraid of pain, but pain can be an impetus to draw us near to God. I know it has been in my life. And, you know, there's another fear, um, fear of failure is a big one that keeps people bound, not living up to their full potential. How can people rise above that fear? Yeah. Oh, that word potential. My husband heard a a local pastor give a message on, on the idol of potential. He called it the idol of our age. Mm. Everyone's seeking after potential. And it's incredibly dangerous because our lives become about ourselves (laughs) and how great we can be. And we hate failure. We hate anything that makes us look incompetent or weak or like we're having to submit to superiors. Um, And the fear of failure is something that's very personal for me, Denise. I have a very type A personality. I struggle with perfectionism and wanting everything to be right all the time. And, and, then, and then when I'm so obviously not perfect, um, I just give way to such discouragement and, and forget that in Jesus Christ, I am approved before God. I am accepted before God. His yes and amen is upon me. And someday when I stand in his presence, I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that encourages me um, obviously to uh, do all things for his glory with excellence because he is worthy of that, but also to remember that when I fail, his, uh, his verdict is the one that reigns. His verdict is the one that matters the most. Mm-hmm. And it also encourages me because I am not hopeless to be changed. The spirit is in me, dwelling in me, transforming me through the power of his word. And um, that gives me a ton of hope too, that God's not done with me yet until the day that he calls me home and perfects me in his presence. He's going to be at work. And I think that's, those two things are hugely helpful for people like myself who struggle with this fear. Oh, so good. You know, self really is a burden yes. as you're talking about, you know, and, and it's one of those things, if the enemy can get us wrapped around self, we'll just stay busy. We'll stay busy for a long time. And really that fear of failure is shame. And even though there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, we daily battle this sense of accusation. I mean, the accuser, he is constantly accusing and we accuse ourselves. And this fear of failure, as you say, really is a worship of self, isn't it? 
The fear of death is likely the biggest fear, though public speaking, I've heard, is right up there with that, uh, connected to the fear of man. Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15 speaks to the fear of dying. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. When we think about our fear as enslaving us, you know, God wants to set us free from that. Christ suffered as a man, as the Son of Man, to bear all of our burdens and remove the sting of death, but still we can be crippled with fear about death. What would you share about how people can overcome the fear of death? Well, it's not an easy one, right? I think we're all afraid, in a sense, ultimately of death as we kind of confront this coronavirus. Um, and I think we need to ask ourselves, if we're not in relationship with God, if we've not trusted Him and been reconciled to Him through His Son, then let this fear of death be a wake-up call <laughs> because it's coming. Death is the only guaranteed reality for every human being. And someday we will stand in the presence of God to give an account for our lives. And if we are not covered in the righteousness of Jesus by faith and made safe in Him, then our outcome is the judgment of God. That's what the Bible says for our sin. And so death is a wake-up call to say, where is my eternal safety found? And um, how can I be restored to the God who made me, to the God who intends me to walk with him in holy fear. So I think it's it's actually, a, again, a good kind of fear that propels us to the only Savior for sinners, and that's Jesus. And so for those of us who have trusted Christ, who have said, I believe that Christ died for my sin and has freed me from slavery to the fear of death, um, where do we go when we still struggle with death? Because it's it's a real fear. And I think we struggle for a number of reasons. I think we we don't know, you know, how our death will come about. That's a fearful thing, the mystery of it. We don't know when it will come about, how many days we have. Um, what will the experience of death be like? You know, the Bible tells us um, a few things about it, but it's very minimal. So that's a mystery to us. So I think there are there are fearful factors about death. Um, and what's helpful for me is to meditate on what the Bible does tell us. Um, we can trust the Lord because He has numbered our days. We may not know when death will come, but He does. And Psalm 23 says that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are not alone. Whether our death comes quickly <laughs> and instantaneously or there's suffering involved, Jesus will walk with us because he's already gone through it and come out on the other side. And that's our ultimate hope is that when death comes, it's not the end. It's the beginning. It's, it's an entranceway into eternal joy in the presence of our Savior who has delivered us from the fear of death. Um, so meditating on these realities that Jesus is 
the resurrection and the life, um, that death is not the end, that it's the beginning, and that if our souls are safe, what can man do to our bodies? What can a coronavirus do to our bodies? Our souls are safe, and that's the most important thing. Yes, it is. So Kristen, what has been the singular biggest moment of revelation for you as concerns fear? And what fear did God set you free from in that moment? Yeah. Um, Regarding a revelation, I, in studying for this book, um, Psalm 56.3 was very eye-opening. It says, when I am afraid... I put my trust in you. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is a writer, and and she pointed me to a really helpful article online, a a guy who had written about um, not fear in particular, but another struggle of the Christian life. And it occurred to me that this guy was saying, you know, the point isn't that we completely defeat this struggle in this life but that we know uh, who to go with it. And that was huge. And I looked at this verse again, and it seemed to me that that's what David was talking about. When I am afraid, not if, but when, because we are going to be afraid, um, I put my trust in you. I keep coming back to you, Jesus. (laughs) I I keep um, bringing my burdens to you in prayer. I keep my fears with scripture and with your truth. And realizing that this was a process was a big moment of revelation. This is not about, like we talked about last week, Denise, becoming fearless in an instant. Right. This is about walking with Jesus. And this is about um, fearing him and becoming like him. And um, probably God in that moment set me free from the fear of having to have fear all figured out, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. You know, I believe God will use your book really to help set people free. Is there any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, the close of the book focuses on 2 Timothy 4, 7, which says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So friends, the Christian life is a fight it's a race mm. and it's um, it's a journey in faith. And uh, that tells us that we continue to fight. We continue to journey. We continue by the power of Christ. And um, when you feel defeated, keep fighting. Keep asking the Lord to strengthen you, to root you in his truth, to help you, um, because that is a prayer that he is delighted to answer and he will surely do it. So good. I actually recently just shared with my kids, really, our lives in Christ are a constant fight, resisting sin and drawing near to God. It is just, we need to do that. Well, y'all, you can visit Kristen on her website, www.kristenweatherall.com. Leave a comment on this episode to be entered to receive a free copy of her book. Thank you again for coming. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me, Denise. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems. 